All right, guys. So for this podcast, I have Steven on. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at My Success Theory. And if you want to check out his website, which is loaded with gold, you can go ahead and go on to YourSuccessTheory.com. So in regards to this podcast, he showed me a lot about myself that I had questions on. Um, he helped me uncover certain truths that I didn't know that I needed to look at things from certain perspective. Um, and he's just a man that's loaded with wisdom and experience and knowledge. And he's he's very hungry and dedicated and he's, he's going to go to great lengths. So I really suggest that you pay attention to him. And, and like I said, go and give him a follow. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Well, I first got on Twitter because I had a YouTube channel that I started. Mm. I thought about getting into YouTube and then that whole multi-channel, have an Instagram, mm. have a Twitter and try to drive traffic to YouTube. So my, my Twitter account opened this one in particular. I've got an older one. I'm going back to 2010 that okay. it's just news and sport. But this one I, I started uh, four years ago and uh got about 75 followers from just posting links yeah. from my uh, my youtube okay channel which is not very big i mean i've got like a thousand subscribers on there so it's not it's not a big youtube channel but about this time last year because of the uh the pandemic mm. i started working from home and i started playing around on twitter in between meetings and and everything else and that's when it just started taking off so that's what actually got me into twitter was the pandemic really that's insane i think yeah. I'm sort of on the same boat, more so for like the podcast itself, a little bit different. I've actually been using Twitter less, although I do love Twitter a lot. Um, I feel like more people actually interact with you and, and they're like, it's a lot more personable as opposed to most other social media forms, at least from my personal opinion. Yeah. 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 No, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think that uh, one thing about being a sort of a quote-unquote YouTuber for a little bit, mm. it's very lonely. Yeah. You, the only time you get any interaction with somebody is when somebody, like, comments, and it's not even a conversation because it could have been five hours ago that somebody commented. It's not very live. Until you get big, I, I guess it is kind of a bit different. But that's what I do like about Twitter is it's the instant feedback loop. It's putting out a, a tweet or a thread and getting tons of engagement or getting no engagement. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's the... That's the big thing I like about it. I feel you. Are you still using YouTube right now? Mm. For your, Sorry, just take oh, a drink of water there. Oh, no worries. Are you still using YouTube right now to um, to grow your accounts or anything like that? A little bit. I, I dropped YouTube about this time last year, 100% dropped YouTube. Mm. And then I've got back on it. I've done about three videos this year, which is really low. I used to do one a week. Okay. And now I'm down to trying to do one a month but i i was planning actually on doing one this week to, and i'll be two in april oh there you go there you uh, go. because i'm writing a lot of threads writing a lot of threads on uh, twitter I, I enjoy writing i enjoy that aspect of um off of twitter is, is is actually putting your thoughts down mm -hmm. in a sort of format and then i've been turning those into youtube videos because you have a script already written because you mm -hmm. wrote it for twitter so it, it's a nice sort of way to reuse your content in a different manner right yeah yeah i i i know yeah I, I that actually makes perfect sense because that's kind of what i've been doing i've just been translating like certain like tweets 
into like Instagram reels or like TikToks, and that's gotten me a lot more engagement personally, at least, at least for my content because I posted, I posted other yeah. content on Twitter, but it doesn't resonate as well. Um, but I guess, yeah. like I said, you just have to target like a certain audience and whatnot. But one of the reasons how I yeah. found you was uh, was through certain certain people that I guess through my mutuals and I followed you and, and you've been providing like amazing content. So I guess on behalf of oh, everyone, thanks, of course, on behalf of everyone that, that, that listens and, and watches your stuff. So thank you. I wanted to ask you, what's how have you walked your own path through life? What is, has that looked like? Because it looks like you've. I don't know what you've been through, but it's definitely been a lot because you've encountered um, a lot of wisdom, at least from what I can see, like from like the, the bare face, you know, the surface. Well, you know, the, the, the area that we're on in Twitter is, is quote unquote, I'm going to use air quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Money Twitter. It's yes. money Twitter. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a silly name. It could be called personal development Twitter. But yeah. it, it is. It's it, it's money Twitter. And, and I'm, I you know, I'm, I'm probably on the older side of people using that that um, part of the internet or, or that part of Twitter. I'm not that old, but I, I've definitely got a bit more life experience. So it, it just comes with going through things. Uh, you know, from my accent, I am originally from Ireland. I, I left uh, my hometown when I was 19 year old to go to England to go to university, spent okay. 10 years in, in England and just spent the last decade in Canada, moved to Vancouver. Uh, during oh. the last time we had a big sort of like world crisis, which was in 2009, because mm-hmm. the jobs in the UK weren't, uh, there wasn't a lot of them. So I, I moved out to Canada with, and that was a big growing experience for me. Mm-hmm. Sort of my personal journey with personal development, my journey with getting over struggle really happened when I moved out to a different country. I, I you know, I definitely got the feel of what it's like to be an immigrant, even though I'm, white and i am the sort of like the the majority color in in canada i still felt that foreigner still felt that struggle to Mm -hmm. integrate uh not being able to have a credit card for over a year being on a closed visa so i I had to go back and i was able to break it by getting a good job so there was lots of these barriers little struggles that i went over that that really helped me sort of gain wisdom in my life a lot of People talk about wisdom being about age, but I, I find I, I know twenty-one-year-olds on Twitter that are wiser than me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it's about how you take that knowledge on board and how yeah. you then put it into action in the world. No, yeah, that that makes sense because for the most part, I, I mean, at least for myself, from what I've heard from uh, from others, they're like, "Oh, how do you know like so much?" I'm like, first of all, I don't know anything," and I'm like, second of all, it's probably <laughs> the trauma." I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It's just the struggles. That's usually like my yeah. go-to answer. I'm just like, well, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I, because yeah. when I was younger, I, I really hated like the struggles that, that I had to like encounter and endure. But now that I'm reflecting on them, like that, that hardships, those hardships are what make life easier right now. And I know I'm still really young and I still have so much to learn. But it's at least one of the most important things that it's taught me is to always have an open mind. And, I, and, I know, and I've noticed that's yep. something a lot of people don't have, like a lot. And a lot of people claim to say that they have an open mind. But in reality, they're like, say one thing about like the vaccine and having mask on. I'm like, I'm like, what's the point of what's the point of having a mask if everyone's already vaccinated? But like something like that. Yeah. Right. But it still triggers yeah. people. It's like you're not you're really using like critical thought now. You're just letting your mind do yeah. its own thing you're an autopilot yeah 
Yeah, I think you made a really good point there about not knowing anything. And I think that that's a really, that that is a mindset that mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't think 90% of the population will ever get that. It mm-hmm. is getting to the understanding that even though you are quote unquote wise, even though you've come across some struggles, even though uh, that you might question certain things happening in society, the, the, the ability to actually say for the majority of things, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm just doing the thing here. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, and I think that's a really, really good place to start from. But, but you're right. There are, there are a lot of people out there who just seem to have a lot of very loud opinions, but yet when you scratch the surface with them, they, those opinions aren't based on anything real. Yeah. There's no substance to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, because I, I like, I mean, like for me in particular, like I don't label myself, like, let's say I'm in the United States, right? I don't label myself like, um, like left or right. I think both sides are stupid as hell. I'm like, there's no point. I'm like, <laughs> they're both two wings of the same bird. They're not on your side. Yeah. I don't understand why no. you're, it's like, it's like a rat defending a trash can. I'm like, why are you defending it? Yes. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. But I just let them do their thing. I've realized, I mean, through people like you and through other people that I follow through quote unquote money Twitter, it's there's yeah. no there's zero ROI trying to even explain or try to convince them otherwise. You just kind of have to let them like do it on their own. Um, with that being said, um, how how can you help somebody? Because you obviously you can bring them to water, but they won't drink it themselves. They have to actually like. Uh, I, I know I fudged that up, but I think I, I think you know what you what I owe you. Mean, yeah. right? I, well, I, I if there's one it, yeah. thing I always um, say on this podcast is I'm a dumbass. So like I, I assume I know nothing. So I'm like <laughs> I think I know where I'm going with stuff, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I get I get your vibe, man. I get your vibe. How, how do you, how do you get someone to 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 actually do stuff? Yeah, on their own. You, Teach you, them how to fish you, without yeah. having to bring them the. You you, you can inspire people. Yeah. yeah, you can show people proof. But at the end of the day, you, I mean, there's there's many many quotes about this. I even quote about something about Galileo last night. One of my quotes on on the timeline is like, you can only take somebody to the water as you're speaking if they want to go to the water. Mm-hmm. And I think something has to happen in your life that makes you want to go to to the water. That you're like, mm-hmm. hold on a second, there's water over there. I, I want to go over there. And then you're like, how do I get over there? Mm-hmm. So you start asking those types of questions. Um, I, I definitely had that kind of question. I, I worked retail when I was younger. I was a bit lazy when I left university, loved the weekend, had enough money in my pocket to go out to the clubs, bars, buy the odd pair of nice new jeans, had mm-hmm. a car, you know, everything was great. But there was just one day I was standing in the middle of a, I sold men's clothes, uh, high fa- kind of high fashion stuff. And I was standing in, in, in the store one day just like bored and i was like is this it is this is this it is this life is there more to this is this what i'm doing for the next 30 years of my life standing in stores selling nice clothes to people who don't have money because mm. <laughs> yeah. i feel about luxury so uh, that was my that was one of my where's the river where's the water i want to go mm-hmm. at moments uh, and I think you have, uh, going back to what you're saying, I think you have to ha- have those moments. You need to have that awakening. There has to be a spark that kind of goes off, whether that's through trauma, whether that's through a difficult time in your life, whether that's through just reading somebody else's book. And then you're all like, hold on a second. That's really good information. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say uh, 
potentially your spark has been? Because obviously you were in retail. Was it like maybe like you weren't meeting like uh, – well, it sounds like you were making like um, like enough money to sustain yourself. Was it like yeah. – for me at least because I was in retail as well for like four years. Um, I worked at AT&T selling phones. Uh, I just I, – mm-hmm. I hated dealing with people's like fraud, people's bullshit. I was like I can't do this anymore. Like I, although I do look young, I'm 26. I look like I'm 20, I know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I just had enough of it. I'm like, I was making plenty more than I, like I, I had been in a while, but I was like, I just, I don't like like kissing ass to people, you know, I'm like, it, like at least not for like a job I like, cause that just left me in like a, like a really bad place. Like after work, like whether I realized it or not, like I wanted to go out drinking or I wanted to just go get like junk food and call it a day, like stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be me- mediocre. And then like that, like lit me up, I think from there. Yeah. I, yeah. I did a, I did it slightly differently. I mean, I, it was my late twenties that I started making moves like that. Uh, I, I was lucky enough that I'm, I was a manager typically the whole mm-hmm. time I was in those retail situations. I just, cause my, I got a, a business degree in my early twenties and, you know, had it in a bunch of applications, already worked in retail, had the experience, made me a manager, boom. And I just, as I said, I was lazy. But I, I what I did then is I climbed the sort of the pyramid of retail. Uh-huh. I just didn't stay in like what you describe as low-end mall retail. Mm-hmm. I ended up working in high-end retail, like uh-huh. selling five, six, seven thousand dollar suits to Gee. millionaires. Uh-huh. Uh, dealing with the rich and famous. I, I lived in I live in Vancouver currently, and, and that's where I was able to climb up that because Vancouver is the LA of the North. I think you're in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it that. A lot of movie stars here. You know, I've helped uh, a bunch of famous people from Michael Bublé uh, to Kevin Hart when he oh, came really? in and did his tour. You know, yeah, oh, Kevin Hart was, uh, was such a good experience helping Kevin Hart. He's so funny. His whole monta- uh, entourage <laughs> with him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, all just cracking jokes the whole time. Yeah. So that was it. Was it was yeah, it was a great night. An uh, helping him in, uh, buy a couple of t-shirts. But yeah, so I, I was actually that that was while well, I was making good money in those situations, mm-hmm. uh, and I climbed that retail pyramid. And I always thought more money, getting to six figures, all this stuff that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me happy. And it wasn't until I got to that point that while I wanted to get to the water earlier, I thought. I had the wrong targets for what I thought I wanted to go to, if that makes sense. I, I thought that getting more money, but actually when I got to that pyramid and I got to those big jobs and I was making decent money working in uh, high-end retail, I, I realized that it, there was something else that I was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the big things that got me was I was dealing with a lot of like CEOs, people who had done TED Talks, entrepreneurs, and they were working in – they weren't the ones in the store selling stuff. Let me just put it yeah. like that. I mean, you have that kind of like, hold on a second. I want to be the person who comes into the store to mm-hmm. buy these suits. I don't want to be the person selling them. Yeah. And that, that, that's when I started to really started to think about wanting to change who I was because I, I realized that I was in my mid thirties when I, when I made a bit early thirties at this point, uh, it was just like five or six years ago. And I, I kind of got to this idea. It's like, if I don't make a switch in my life now, I'm going to be a guy who worked in retail his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't feel, it didn't sit with me. I didn't, I don't want to be like, I didn't want to be on my knees marking up a, a guy's suit pants or 
carrying out bags to a car when I'm in my 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I, I got to the point where it's like I don't, I don't want that in my future. Mm-hmm. Did you end up quitting that job, or, or how did you transition out of from that position to, um, I guess, what's been the path after that job to where you're at right now? So, so. Yeah, I moved into the uh, corporate world. So I, okay. I, I do corporate uh, work now, project, project management work. I also do entrepreneurially. I obviously coach people on the side and, mm-hmm. and I have info products. So and, that, and that's where my life is currently heading towards that full time. Not quite there yet, but that's hopefully next six months, year, I will be doing what I'm doing on Twitter mm-hmm. full time and uh, with other coaching packages in the background. But let's take you to how I got there. So I, I, I actually took a bit of a, a random step back and took a job working in uh, insurance as a insurance sales adjuster, someone who would deal with files and lawyers and, and reach oh, out wow. to customers. And I'd always been a manager. So I, I went into that role, took a massive sort of a step backwards, bit of a bit of a pay cut, mm-hmm. but was able to skyrocket up into that uh, environment quite quickly and oh, got wow. back up to where I was before. And it's something that I've noticed I've done before in my life is like when you make a big change and the big and you know the big change is right, you usually get a surge after a difficult dip in money, experience, yeah. time. You, you're like, why did I why did I do that? But then boom, you get that you get that uh, rocket fuel mm-hmm. because you know it was the right thing to do. That's what happened to me when I went to the UK to go to university. It happened when I moved to Canada. It happened when I switched jobs out of retail and to go to insurance. Just this, you know it's the right thing to do, and then you, you skyrocketed up. So currently, I'm, I, I work in sort of a project management sphere. I went and did some certificates. I kept developing my skills. I always learning, always trying to be better. And I think that's part of the experiences I try to talk about with my Twitter account is, is that whole test, learn, adapt, take a chance, if it doesn't work out, just keep taking chances. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good mindset to have because a lot of people that I know, including myself, um, until very recently, I, I I was too scared to take a chance, even though I knew, hey, you should be taking this mm-hmm. chance because without without any if you if there's no risk, there's no reward, right? I knew that, but for whatever yeah. reason, I was paralyzed for like a good minute. I I don't know, maybe it was like the scare of yeah having failed before that's what i think it is but i'm not sure um how does mm-hmm. one overlook that anxiousness or that that fear um I, I guess from your perspective i think for me i still have that fear i'm just trying to power through it but it's still very much there at least for me yeah i, I mean i still get it i 100 you know i'm i'm as i said i'm planning to try to go out full-time become like a, a not, not become like a, to become mm-hmm. a coach and info product person, you know, building out my YouTube, building out my Twitter, taking mm-hmm. on clients, which I already do, but just expanding on that mm-hmm. and making that more of a thing. And that scares me because I, I got a wage currently from a bit large organization. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's, it's nice. You, I, I don't do anything. It just turns up every month. I do do, I do work, but you know what I'm saying? It just yeah, turns yeah. up every, every two weeks. Uh, and, one of the things that has always helped me and, and, and one of the things I talk about or where a lot of my quote unquote wisdom comes from is the, the stoic, stoic philosophy, mm-hmm. stoicism. And they actually have this 
exercise is called fear setting. Uh, and what you actually do is when you're nervous about something, you would write a list of the thing that you want to do. And then you would write a list of all the reasons why you're nervous about it. Why are you fearful? So you'd write it. I'd lose money. I might go hungry. I'm not going to have a paycheck for a couple of weeks. You know, whatever that is, you write out all your fears. And then on the next list, you write out how you circumvent those fears. You write out how you would deal with them. Oh, well, I'll, I'll save up 10K before I leave my job. So I've got six months of bills, whatever that is. Emergency fund, you answer every fear that you have. And then you end up realizing that 99.9% .9 of your fears, if not 100% of them, are just made up barriers, limiting beliefs that you like, that, that you keep in your mind, that you like to always think about, but they, they have no substance. They, they can be easily dealt with through a little bit of planning and a little bit of sort of strategic art of overcoming it by just doing a couple of things. And a lot of us don't really take the time to really think about why are we afraid? What is, what is stopping us? And, and honestly, I a hundred percent believe if you did this with something big in your life, that's coming up soon, 99% that you would write down of the things that the reason why you are afraid are complete bullshit, mm -hmm. complete bullshit made up in your head. Yeah, no, I, I think you're completely right because yeah, I mean, most of them, like, are irrational, like I said. Like you were saying, like, if you left your job and you have, like, six months worth of savings, you have about 10000 right? It's like you, you have time to act now or you have time to quit, but it's, like, that fear of losing it, that, that fear of, like, not succeeding is what holds a lot of people back. Yeah, but for me, I always have, like, this, like, this fire, like, pit, like, in my stomach. That's usually, like, what holds me back. But even, like, I guess, like, outreach into, like, a bunch of other people, like, um, I think I, I do this like once every like two weeks, but I'll, I'll, I'll work until like my hands, like, well, I use my phone all the time. I almost never use my laptop yeah. unless I'm recording. Uh, but I pretty much, I'm outreaching to a bunch of people until like my hands hurt. That's like about like three or four hours worth of like nonstop work. And that's about like a hundred, 150 people. And I, and I only get like a, like a 10, 15% like, um, I guess response rate, but that's like enough to get me yeah. going for like another two weeks in regards to like sessions filled out for, for the week, like once a day, sometimes even two a day if I'm, if I'm really trying to push content out, you know, but yeah. uh, have you tried using TikTok or, or like Instagram reels for, for promoting what you're doing right now? Yeah. People keep telling me this. Yeah. I've had, as you've, you're the third or fourth person <laughs> in the last, I don't know, week or two mm. that I've actually had a conversation with either through DMS or face to face that has said, you need to start, using TikTok or Reels mm -hmm. and actually talking about your quotes that you do each day and just talking them. And it's something I haven't quite got around to doing, mm -hmm. but I probably will because if people keep saying something to me over and over again, the universe is trying to tell me to do it. I, I agree. So there's this one guy who's who's got me to push it a little bit more. His name's King Dre. Um, he teaches, like I guess, like quote-unquote, like, beta dudes to, like, not, like, kiss ads to girls, not, like, be, like, always simping yeah. over them, like, hey, do you, yeah. focus on you, like, your mission. Um, I'll send you his thing on, on TikTok and Instagram, and he has a YouTube as well. Um, YouTube's different, but, like, in regards to, like, the, the reels and the TikToks, his are, like, really, like, 30, 45 seconds, and they're sweet and to the point, and he blew up from, from, like, a few hundred followers, too. I think he has, like, 700,000 followers now. Wow. Um, yeah, like, and and that's that's supplemented pretty much like his job, and he does coaching now, just like for relationships, and uh, yeah. 
on Instagram, I think he has like ten or twenty thousand. But either way, like that, that's that's still providing like a like a source of like maybe like a few people here, a lot more people over here, yeah. and and so forth. So I think it would you could use that like as a template for like for your information. But I, I, like I'll, yeah. I'll I'll go on TikTok because there are some like some pages that that like have like some philosophy, some I guess some like i guess having like that will to search for more i because i think that's that's a need that a lot of people are looking for right now that a lot of people don't have and and it's hard to yeah. find that wisdom it's not that accessible interesting no i definitely will check it out i, I mean i do have a small instagram account mm-hmm. i i started uh, uploading uh me talking about quotes as i'm walking my dog mm-hmm. pointing my camera at my dog but i might switch it around and put, a, put it to my face uh, yeah, because I just hadn't hadn't really thought about it too much. But mm-hmm. as I said, three people in the space of a week now have told me to do this with my tweets and with my content. So if that isn't a sign from the universe yeah. to do it, I don't know what is. <laughs> no, because your content, like I said, it's great. It'll translate really well. I'd probably say, yeah, you should probably just do it like with your like with yourself, like who you are, like I guess showing your face and then just kind of relaying like little little insights of wisdom. Nothing nothing too long um and then yeah i mean because i i have two different instagrams account like one of my main one and another one that i've just been messing with to promote the podcast as well um the other one only had 200 um 200 followers right now it's um in regards to the reach it was only like 200 people pretty much my following count yeah. right now uh just that i've been posting a lot more on re- like reels only like no posts just reels 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 on yeah. instagram i have I, i've reached about like twenty thousand accounts i'm like that's like that's insane i'm like what the hell i'm like because yeah. the the market's getting a little saturated on tiktok from what i've realized and from what other people have told me as well it's still doable um especially yeah. i think like in your field which is why i even mentioned it otherwise i wouldn't have wasted your time with it but i think you could do it on that and on on reels i think that'd be great man yeah, I'll give it a go. It won't hurt. I could, I could even do one after this podcast. No, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'll short get, little ones. I'll get started. I'll just get started. I'll start doing it because I, I do have the content. I mean, mm. it, the, the amount of tweets I pump out, I pump out three, four, five tweets a day. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I can just take one of them a day, two of them a day, and just and pretty much just read them into the camera and give a quick thought, and boom, there's my thirty seconds. Yeah, like you said, you already have the template in short. <laughs> yeah, I want. I also wanted to ask you this, um, this as well, in regards to like there are things that you don't tolerate because people will will keep will keep doing things over and over again what are things that you don't like allow to continue or or red flags in people in people in general or online or both 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 well first of all online talk about twitter is i i don't really block i don't really mute either Mm -hmm. but i do not get engaged Mm-hmm. with people i don't i i i recently did a, a thread got just under a thousand likes which is which is good mm-hmm. a good right you know getting a thread around a thousand likes is is, is good and it was a bit tongue-in-cheek and it was a nine loser habits and nine ways to flip them into winning ones i think that was the, the title or something very very similar and the um I, I talked about not smoking weed i talked about porn being bad i talked about not drinking every day and and if you are going to drink it would be like high-end drinks and there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek in it because it, it wasn't all a hundred percent um what i described as like this is actually advice it was more yeah. it was a little bit more kind of you know uh hyperbolic let's say mm-hmm. and i got so much hit i've never really? had that much negativity was it from like, the weed guys community? coming at me 
uh, saying that this thread was, was bullshit, people okay. arguing, people laughing. What do you like? And I engaged with one person because I thought they wanted more explanation, and I, and I just like, explained one of the points because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like that. I like to engage with people because I thought he was asking a question, mm -hmm. and then boom, two or three tweets just like attacking me. I had some PhD doctor come on when I said that smokers were loser. Yeah, he came on and wrote two or three tweets about how, you know, this is marginalizing parts of the community because these parts of the community actually tend to smoke more. And I'm like, bro, I was just putting a tweet out about how you shouldn't smoke every day. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> bad any, for your lungs. It's you like know? with anything, it's like it's all about balance at the end of it all. Um, here's like yeah. my, I guess my bio for my podcast that I think resonates. Um, it's going to resonate with those people if they even listen, but I'm going to read it right now. It's the feeling of being offended is a warning indicator that is showing you where to look within yourself for unresolved issues. And that's, yeah, I like really that. love that. I'm like, if you, anytime I get offended, I try my, there are some, I'm like, don't, but overall there's just like, I step back because I'm like, ah, shit. Like, why am I acting this way? Why am I getting defensive? There's something, yeah. there's something in me. And that applies to a lot of people. But I think, even me, like it's hard to like go back because I'm like I'm like I'm heated, but I'm like okay, this is exactly like why you need to move back really quick. Yeah, they, they, the the what they want, and I talk about they as maybe the normies, as I have heard them being called, or how I describe them. People who find personal development content offensive, mm -hmm. and you'd be, I'm not I'm not gonna joke here. People actually find the idea of making yourself better and making more money and being healthier and helping other people do that they get offended by that and, yeah. and they'll, they'll come at you so i don't tolerate engaging with those because you can smell them a mile off the odd one you you, you get tricked in because they ask like a normal question mm -hmm. but online yeah I, I i really don't get into the whole it's like i i can't stand politics on twitter mm -hmm. it's like uh Using Twitter to talk politics is like putting uh, your dishes into a tumble dryer. You know, it, it, it's it's just a whole lot of noise and completely pointless. Yeah, it's not not a fun time for anybody. So that that that's something I, I you know I, I I try not to tolerate. It's getting engaged in this backwards and forth, like arguing with people. It's just it's it's pointless anyway in real life. It's something I actually try not to do in real life. Mm -hmm. Is 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 argue with people as well. I, I will step away. I'm quite a passionate guy. But I don't, I don't like getting into arguments because I always feel like a good question mm -hmm. or a bit of a step back will always be a better approach than getting into an argument. And, and over the last year or two, over the last four years since a certain person was actually in in the White House, I have I have really felt a lot more spicy in like communication when you're with friends you're at bars you're at people's houses for dinner what you were before covid and certain topics would come up and you, you mentioned the mask one i i i'm in vancouver currently and and it we're okay with it we're not so bad it's it's kind of okay i mean i wear them going into stores it's a requirement yeah me too but but even today i, I was walking my dog and this has not happened to me in a number of occasions from people all ages. Uh, I was five plus meters away from somebody and they put their hand over their mouth to use it as a mask. And I'm like, that, that is some delusion. Yeah. I, out of the world delusional. Like you're, <laughs> I, 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 and I'm not, I, I'm not 
like I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-mask. I'm not yeah. denying COVID. I, I'm not. I'm not here to say that. I'm but skeptical, but I'm that not kind of his mentality. Mm-hmm. Hmm? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm not. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm not anti-vax, but I'm all. I'm just skeptical. I always like watch first before before anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Like I, I never buy the first iPhone that comes out. I always wait till the S or the mm-hmm. upgrade because it, there's always things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You don't buy the first model of a car when it comes out because there's usually bugs to be fixed out. Yeah. Anytime you get a brand new computer, anytime Apple updates their their laptops, the the first update to whatever they're calling now, I can't even remember what the new name of the new iOS is or OS. <laughs> it, it's always buggy. So I, I've been joking with friends, but like I'm gonna let everybody else get vaccinated. I'll I'll get the second round. I'll, yeah. I, I don't mind. I'll get the second, yeah, the third one that's made. Me too. Uh, it's like the Johnson know, get, get and Johnson get all, thing. Get rid of all the bugs first. It's like the Johnson and Johnson thing. Like that's a perfect example right there. Yes. It's yeah. just like yeah. I I'm like woof. You do you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, yeah. It's it, the good. Thing, I, mean, I think that's one of the advantages of being sort of on the, on the younger side or. Is, is we're seeing all this happen because they have gone for high-risk people and older people first. So in, in North America, we are seeing um, millions and millions of people get it before before I get it. So I, I'm just keeping an eye on the news. But yeah, it's it, going back to the point about how touchy people are. I, I've seen so many arguments just happen in real life over the last year over people delivering a, a comment or an opinion and then someone else just just automatically hitting the roof mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 a very strange time that we live in i yeah i i am on the same page with you with that i, I don't understand why why people are going to like freak out like that like cuz it's obviously been it's obviously been dramatized to a larger extent than what it is cuz here's the thing like in regards to psychology from what i've personally noticed it's when it's if someone someone's family member dies and it's been reported as COVID. If you're denying that they died from another cause, you're like, yeah, it's like an emotional thing, and it's and it's hard to argue with that because they're not even rational at that point. And it's like, as much as I care, and it sucks that you lost your family member. The reality is, they already had diabetes for six years or cancer, and there's been other factors. You know, I'm like, you can't just put the full blame on that, and then you get on the full defense of that. It's like it's almost like this master psychology. I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm a slight slight conspiracy theorist, not like crazy, but I'm just like it just it just sounds a little too convenient. It's just, it's just like the perfect storm, you know. It it has been, and for the data people, it's been it's been a a great opportunity to. You know, move things around. I think it was, uh, oh my, my mind's just gone blank. A uh, famous uh, American writer, uh, Hemingway. No, anyway, the, the quote is, uh, "There's, there's uh, lies, damn lies, and then statistics." Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, their statistics are, are are usually very well manipulated and used to uh, say what you want them to say. Like yeah. I've worked in sales and and business environments my whole career and. I can look at data and I can make the data say something that I wanted to say. Yeah. You know, whether it's uh, revenue reports, whether it's, uh, you know, the amount of sales we've made, whether it's, you know, trends, you can find things in the data that fit your narrative very easily. If, if you, if you, if you look at it from a certain perspective, and I think that's just what's happened a lot of the times. And I kind of, I, I do agree with you with, you know, the people who were, 
you know, and I, I feel horrible saying this, but the people who might have already have died this year anyway, or within the next six or seven months, horrible that they've lost their lives, horrible that they, the people are dying. It's, it is a part of life, you know, it happens. But how many of those people just, it was sped up by six months or a year? And that, that, that would be a data I would love to see. It wouldn't change my mind on, the, the, on the on the disease it wouldn't change my, my mind on the pandemic mm-hmm. but it, what it does change my mind on is how the media has manipulated and confused people mm-hmm. and confused somebody to a certain point that i see them outside with my dog and they're five or six meters away away and they have to put their hand over their mouth because they yeah. think that's going to act as a mask that, that that that's the sort of angle i come at is how, how damaging has this manipulation be you, you you can agree with everything that's happening and still disagree with the way governments and data has been dealt with mm-hmm. and i think that's a hard paradox for a lot of people to get in their heads because when you push back on the data and you push back on what's happening people all of a sudden call oh you're you're an anti-masker you're an anti you're an anti-vaxxer you're you're, an, you're you're a covid denier i'm like no no and no i'm just asking questions yeah exactly because that's what i do yeah. that's who i am as a person yeah and that's that's one of the things that that's like the ni- the majority the ninety percent like they don't do they just get their 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 news their information all of it's spoon fed and I'm like well let, let's think of it from a rational point of view right does the media love you they don't they don't love you what's let's say let's say there's not this crazy conspiracy theory with the government trying to whatever right let's just say this is actually believable at least from my opinion. What if they're just trying to rile you up so that we can focus on the news so that way they can make more from ad revenue at the bare minimum? Bare minimum. <laughs> I'm like, that's not out of the realm of possibility, <laughs> is it? Hey, they've been doing that before COVID. I mean, it's just it's a perfect money-making storm for them. I mean, you think why wars all over the, the front page, the sensationalization, mm-hmm. sensationalizing everything that, 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 that happens. And I, I've always been a, I've been a negative media guy for 20-plus years. Uh when I first moved to the UK, I mean, uh-huh. from Northern Ireland, where I'm from, to England, I don't know if you know anything about Northern Ireland. I don't know if you're anything about the United Kingdom, but there's been quote unquote terrorism, quote unquote troubles for hundreds of years, but they really spiked in the 90s and the 80s mm-hmm. in, in Ireland, Northern Ireland. I think three, three and a half thousand people were, were, were killed over a 30 year period. But I can remember the news in Northern Ireland, every time you turned it on, troubles, 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 this is bad, this is bad. And then when I moved over to England and started watching the news over there, the the local news and even the national news uh, when I was in England, wasn't a word of it. I had almost got to the stage in my mind that there was nothing wrong or anything happening in Northern Ireland. And then when I would go back after a year in England to visit and turn on the news, it was all troubles, 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 troubles. And I would turn around to my parents and be like, oh, I, I thought this had stopped. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, it hasn't. It just, it's just not getting reported like it used to across all of the United Kingdom. It was only being reported on the BBC and ITV, which is our main channel in the UK, in the local news segment. It was no longer making it to the national news. So that was the first time I was, what, 19, 20? That was the first time that I was like, hmm, these sons of the bitches they're manipulating who and what and when gets what information. 
and, and that's when I started distrusting the media, you know, and, and always kind of pushing back and asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't watch the news. I've very rarely watched the news at all. I, I, and that's part of personal development as well. Like, I really think that, that, you know, going on a negative news diet is one of the best things that you can do for your mental health. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. It's oddly enough because I, I didn't have any distrust of the media until I was about like 17 or 18. That's when I started having like my the glass inside my head shattered when people would, would, would pretty much like explain like you are the product for Facebook and Instagram. We're selling your information or a scene both like like I remember this yeah. one thing in particular. What was it? Remember when uh, I think this was when Trump first got into office like in 2016 or something like that or slightly before when he was running uh there was this there was this one kid that had his his he was like smiling at some indian guy and it looked like he yeah i remember this yeah it looked like he was mocking the india the indian guy but in reality i think the indian guy was the one being aggressive towards the kid and the media had spin that and then that's like that was like a huge one for me i was like ah shit this is all bullshit yeah yeah, that, that that was that was a that was a huge own goal for the media. They really they really showed themselves in in that moment how they jump on a story, they don't really care about the truth of the story because mm-hmm. they just get the clicks, they get the the, the views, they see the revenue spike. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a great story, and then yeah. they get all the talking heads in to sit in the panel and all yell at each other for an hour. And I don't know how anybody watches that crap. Uh, in the uk that's not the kind of news that we have the news is still kind of very much person telling you what happened today where yeah. in the united states it's it's 100 percent wwe entertainment it is it is <laughs> it is just yeah. crazy I, I i cnn and fox news are going to start having ring fights where people beat each other with chairs because <laughs> that, that, that is literally the entertainment that i see it as and if people don't see it like that as entertainment i don't know what's wrong with them you know yeah. it's it's, it's 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 stupid. Uh, yeah, no, it's gonna be Bernie against Biden with the chair or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess, but I guess both sides of the political spectrum just boils down to um, it, it boils down to ego. How how does somebody rein that in if they're if they don't even realize it's unchecked? How what's the best way to go about that? It's a really good question. E- ego is a huge part of kind of my own journey in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge part of what I talk about. I mean, it's stoicism is, is a huge uh, philosophy that it, ego is the enemy is a book by Ryan Hall. The ego is a big part of, uh, of that sort of idea that, that the ego can get you into trouble basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you control that? Well, I, I think a lot of the times it starts with self-awareness. You know, this is where you get into the whole meditation. This is where you get into the whole journaling self-awareness. You, you just have to reflect, take a step back and see yourself from a different perspective. I definitely think when I was younger, I, I was quite egotistical. And I don't know whether that's a young man thing. I don't know whether, whether that's a journey that a lot of young men go through. Um, I certainly know a lot of guys my age that still haven't learned those lessons. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, I wanted everything. Now, I was right. I was one of those people like had opinions on things I didn't even mm-hmm. know about. But I had read a headline or had heard half a story. and I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think there's two ways that you can learn how to deal with your ego. You can understand that you have one very early on in your life, meditate, journal, mindfulness practice, be aware of it and, and almost make yourself monk like a monk. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the way I did it was spend the first sort of 
10, 15 years or 10 or 12 years of my adult life, let's say from 18 to 30, just getting punched in the face all the time. Not literally, but having your ego actually get you into situations. Random example, going into interviews, thinking that I already had the job and not really preparing for it and then kind of like joking in the interview because you felt like you already had the job. Your ego was inflated because you had done well in the first interview. And this is a yeah. story that happened to me. Had pretty much had a, I was told before going into the interview, you've got this job. It's going to be a decent pay rise mm-hmm. and you've, you're the best candidate. So I went into the last interview way too ego uh, or way too much ego, way too much. Like I was all like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. And I didn't get the job. And I, I really, that really stung. And that was one of those moments in my, I think I was like 28 at the time or 27 at the time. That was one of those defining moments where I was like, oh shit, maybe I need to, maybe I need to check myself. Maybe I need to start reviewing how I am entering situations. Mm-hmm. I think I'd always been kind of a very much uh, bull in the china shop. That's just who I was as a person. Wear my heart in the sleeve. Very passionate, a little bit arrogant, a little bit of ego when I was younger. And that's definitely one of those moments when you're in your mid to late 20s and a lot of your friends are all of a sudden starting to hockey stick out of university and starting to get bigger, better jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I was hovering around the same kind of pay level. Mm -hmm. And my ego was telling me that I should be getting those jobs as well. And then I I fucked up those interviews, like I was saying. And my my ego and my own overconfidence and my own being an idiot led me to having to have a a, a real sit down. I think that's when I started getting into sort of journaling and and maybe even just doing some exercises before going into important conversations, writing out what I wanted to happen, just to check myself, to ground myself. And And that's where my journey began you know, with sort of trying to control my ego. I don't think your ego is your enemy. Mm-hmm. I think your ego is a very important weapon that you should learn how to control because I still think you need a little bit of ego. I still think you need to have that self-belief. Mm-hmm. You need to be bullish in certain areas of your life. Uh, and if you completely disengage from your ego and, and you go full spiritual and a full ego is the enemy full disconnect myself my ego is is completely made up it's a, my ego is not a real thing i don't want to use it i think you get quite in my opinion placid in life you lose out in that drive to succeed because success is very much an ego exercise mm-hmm. yeah well for, for example trump if, if it weren't for his ego i don't even know if he'd be in that position that he's that he's grown to be you know like he's a perfect example He's a man that's all about ego. Um, yeah. But I guess for, for people in, in, in our position, how I guess kind of like boiling down to like, hey, like I want to I wanna get that interview. I want to get that job. I want to get that girl. I want to get X amount of money. How do you let go of that attachment to the outcome? Yeah, another, another great question. I mean, I go back onto journaling. I go back onto – meditation, those kind of practices doing them for a long time. I think that it's the paradox and something I've learned through stoicism, something I've learned through meditation is really, really caring about stuff, but also not giving a fuck. Mm -hmm. Excuse my language. No, no, you can cuss all you want on here. I recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and I think that that's something that I've tried to install because there are certain things in my life I really, really, really want. Mm-hmm. But if I, if you, but if, how do I put this? But if I focus too much on the result, I don't do the process as well as when I just focus on the process. So if you want an end result, say for instance, you want to make 10 extra thousand dollars a year, or you want to start your side business, or there's a girl that you like, instead of focusing on the end result, you need to write out well, what, how am I going to get there? What, what does, what does that look like for me to get that success? Mm-hmm. And then you need to ignore the end result and focus on the steps that are going to get you there. And that's something that I'm very aware of, uh, now in life is that I set my goal in the end result. I said, I make it very, very specific what I want, write it out in a journal, very specific what I want. And then I forget it. Mm-hmm. I don't completely forget it cause I read it every day, but I forget it in the sense of that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing today is going on a podcast. What I'm doing today is writing uh, an email sequence for a new info product. What I'm doing today is on Twitter and everything that I do today is in effect part of that end result. But I'm not sitting around today thinking about the end results. I'm not sitting here going like, well, how do I become a multimillionaire with a massive Tony Robbins-esque success, yeah. you know, company behind me? That, that that That's just a hypothetical, you know, end journey for me. But I don't sit around all day thinking about that. I sit around thinking, what do I do now? What do I do today? What actions do I do? And, and that's how I, I separate from the result and I'm actually getting on with the getting on with the work. Got you. Um, as I know that you mentioned journaling and, and meditating a lot. Um, I want to focus on meditating. How do you how do you go about doing that? Because I have done it a few times, and I've also heard that there's different there's different ways to meditate as well. So I I, I don't know too much in that realm, but I have been looking to personally explore my options because the few times that I've done it. Um, I think there was this one time that I got like really like into like a really deep state accidentally. I, I couldn't replicate it again. I, maybe I just wasn't like as relaxed, but like when I, like once I was like done with it, it was like about like a 20, 30 minute meditation. I felt like I wasn't even like, I felt like my body was just a vessel. Like everything felt like extra, like intense. It was, it was a really odd experience for me, but I was like, what the hell? Yeah. It felt like a natural high. It was really odd. Yeah. I've only gotten to that point once yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I've experienced something similar to that a few times. I, I've gone really deep into like a. It's been a while since it happened to me, but I, I've I've been on a cloud for days sometimes really? uh, because of meditation, yoga, as well. Uh, I don't do as much yoga now because of the pandemic and you can, oh, it's yeah. been closed in Vancouver. So it's been actually it's been over a year since I've been to a yoga class. I do it in the house still on my own, but the I yeah that whole process of getting that clarity getting that freshness feeling really in in sync with your body that's what that's the real benefit of meditation mm-hmm. and how do you meditate I, there's a thousand ways to meditate there's a million ways to meditate it, it's about understanding the different types of meditation that you do at different mm-hmm. times of the day a lot of people talk about meditation and a lot of people say it's getting up in the morning doing 20 30 minutes with your eyes closed in the lotus position and doing breathing that's great i do that sometimes I, I do it most mornings. I'll sit on the sofa. I'll do a little bit of breathing exercise, and then I'll just let my thoughts go. Other people will use Headspace pod, um, Headspace app. Sorry, they'll use guided meditations. I use guided meditation once or mm-hmm. twice a week uh, from uh, a guy called Vishen Lakiani. Vishen Lakiani at Mind Valley. He has one called the Six Phase. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, highly recommend you check it out on YouTube. His most recent one, he did an update about a year ago. It's a 18-minute long guided meditation. Really good. I, I really like it. And I do that maybe once a week, maybe maybe twice, sometimes once a month, depending. But typically, I meditate walking my dog. I meditate doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. I meditate very quickly now in between tasks. And all that is is breathing in, maybe closing my eyes for a second, and then breathing out and, and getting into that tiny little bit of that zone that meditation gets you into. And I think once you've done meditation for, I'm coming up in a decade now that I've been meditating uh, regularly, is that you you can get into that zone or you can get that feel in your body quite quickly, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in my opinion. You, okay. you can't quite get into that deep state that you're talking about, which you mentioned about, that the the... the the, the the flow or yeah. where you kind of have that like outer like body experience flow, right? or, or you kind of have that disconnect that, that's that you need to do that 30 minutes 40 minutes a day continuously and, and to keep that up a little bit like if you're trying to stay in ketosis you need to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again to keep yourself in there but understanding that meditation can be literally anything you want it to do a lot of people meditate when they're walking by breathing with intention a lot of people do the meditation that we're talking about some people meditate when they're washing the car. Whatever that is, it's it's just about being intentional about what you're doing and breathing. Mm. And I think that when you make meditation that, I think it's a lot easier. Because I think a lot of people, when you say meditation, 100%, a lot of people think monk, lotus position, maybe chanting, sitting there for hours. Mm-hmm. That is That is not meditation for me. Meditation is just being intentional with your breathing clearing your mind and your thoughts and it could be 10 seconds it could be 10 minutes it could be two hours but you can do it anywhere and at any time is is there something you think about to clear your thoughts because that's something like now especially recently that i've had like a hard time doing because I, I like my mind's often overflow i had i did have a recommendation from somebody previously to to write um, which I haven't done because that was just recently, but I, I should get on that. But is there anything else that you might possibly recommend for that? Yeah. Just focusing on your breath. On your breath? Okay. I mean, it's like doing reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just breath. I mean, that's anytime I start meditating, I go in through the in through the nose, and then I just breathe out through the night, out through the mouth, and that's all I think about is the air going into my and then out through my mouth. And I do that three or four times, and then I let thoughts come in. I'm not one of these people that's like, get the thoughts out. I like the thoughts. I have come up with some great tweets mm-hmm. just by letting my thoughts like wander. And yeah. then when I notice that my thoughts are wandering, I just breathe in again. In through the nose, out through the mouth a couple of times, and I reset to that blankness. Mm-hmm. And then I let my thoughts go again. And then when I when I realize, oh, crap, I'm thinking too much again, I, I go back to the breath. So it, it's, it's, um, it's pretty easy to do. But, yeah, I, I really do focus just simply on my breath. Got you. I guess going back to that one thread where uh, you angered a bunch of people, um, there's one thing in particular that I wanted to to dive in a little bit more. Maybe I need somebody, I need to get somebody on who specializes it, but I want to know the information that you have, like in regards to like why watching like porn is bad for you, because I, I have heard that a lot recently. So I'm just trying to get like a little bit more clarification or like as to why like the the. I guess pros of not watching it and the, I guess what the cons of watching it might be. Yeah. I, I mean, th- this is a, a subject that I, I've 
done a little bit of research into. I know there's the whole nofap community. Yeah. Uh, you know where you where you you you, you don't bust a nut. <laughs> uh, and that 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 that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know there's like the sexual transmutation or tra- I can't remember the exact word that it's called. You got, you got. Uh, um, I think Napoleon Hill talks about it. Kanye West talks about it. Jim Carrey's talked about it. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, not Elon Musk. What do you call it? Uh, Tesla talked about it in oh, one of his quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikolai Tesla. So they talked about, you know, I think Kanye West is one's about uh, talking about the, the amount of energy men put into getting laid. Imagine putting that energy into making music. You know, it, it, it's, Interesting. it's, it's a distraction. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm really into, the long-term gain of things mm-hmm. and the long-term vision is to reduce your instant gratification and porn is a hundred percent instant gratification i look at porn like eating a bag of m&ms doing a line of coke or having a cigarette it's it's instant gratification in the moment right now boom and you're training your mind to get a reward without actually really doing anything that's the habit loop that you're training your, your brain into. Like Charles Duhiggy, uh, a book, uh, he has a book called uh, Habits. Uh, James Clear has a great book called Atomic Habits. If you read that, you'll actually understand that what you're doing to your mind is very damaging. And that's why we talk about porn being damaging is because it's, it's the reward and pleasure that you get for doing nothing. Interesting. Okay. You know what's funny that you mentioned that I actually just got Atomic Habits. I'm looking at it right now. I just got it like a few weeks ago. I haven't gotten a chance to read it because I've been finishing up um, another book. Uh, I, I it's a book that I would recommend it. It was the what is it the seven, the forty seven rules of power I think or forty eight. I, I don't know if you read that one. Uh, forty eight rules of power by uh, it's on my shelf over there. Robert Greene. Yeah, forty eight rules of power. What do you yeah. think of that book? Yeah, it's it's I. I yeah, it's a good book. It's, I, I, I think some of it's a bit. It's it's a good book. Yeah. I, 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 some some people live by it, but it's like some sort of like uh, Machiavellian Bible. Okay. Uh, but I, 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 it's interesting. It's yeah. a good book. I, I think it's worth a read. I mean, everybody should read it. Mm-hmm. it. It's just not. I, I just don't put it up there as the power play book that a lot of people. You know, you, you read this book and all of a sudden you you become like a grandmaster. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a, it was an entertaining book to read. I think all of Robert Greene's books are very entertaining to read. But yeah, it's 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 a good book. Mm-hmm. So far, it's um there's some things that are a little a little intense for my blood. I'm like I don't know maybe I'm just a pussy. But like I mean like you said it's it's good insight. <laughs> but I mean like like you said I think everyone should read it. But I'm so, I'm still working on that. So I'm I'm trying to get on there. But I wanted to ask you like a few more things. So I know it's not like a one size fits all type of deal, but my personal goal is to live a life like that. I'm comfortable and I don't have to worry about bills. So that's like, that's life on my own terms. However, that may be seen. Um, Should I aim for that or should I aim to be like extremely wealthy? Cause at least for right now, my goal is to have time to be able to do things with like my family, my loved ones, explore life, not just be like, like my goal is only like it's only money, money, money. Like like you were saying, like you can channel that energy into just creating a multi-million, multi-billion-dollar business. But then at that point, I don't. What are you sacrificing time? I mean, not all cases, but I'd say a lot of the cases you are, especially if you want to oversee everything. What, what what do you think would be a better option for for most people? I think, first of all, it's a good, really good question because it's a big question that a lot of people have. You know, yeah. what, what, what do you want to do in life? What, how do I 
how do I do it? What do you, what do I do? But I think it all starts with defining success, defining what you actually want mm-hmm. in life. Because a lot of people talk about, oh, I, I want to be a millionaire. Why? Why do you want to be a millionaire? Mm-hmm. And then they might not actually have a clear answer to that. So there's an exercise called the seven levels of why that can actually help you find your, not not really your purpose, but your drive, let's call it. Mm-hmm. And I really find that if you have any questions, you should run them through the seven levels of why. And what you do is you ask yourself a question or you make a statement. Like, I want to own the LA Rams. Just made that up. And then you ask yourself seven times why. And then by the time you get to the seventh why, you're probably saying, at school I was bullied. You actually find out why yeah. all the way down what your drive is, what your what your ego drive is by really getting deep. Mm-hmm. And then you understand, oh, I don't want to buy the LA Rams. I actually want to be loved. That's what that that's what I want in life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's try to make a life where I where I'm loved. So without actually knowing where you want to go, no map is gonna uh, help you. Yeah. So if you want to be rich, famous, wealthy, that's great. But I always would stress to anybody, make sure that you really, really want to go where you want to go. Make sure it's what you want to do. Not just some uh, Instagram post dream of living on a yacht or some money Twitter guys telling you to quit your job and, and uh, you know become an affiliate marketer. Make sure that what you want to do is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's that, that's the only way I can really answer that because I, I can't answer your question for what you should do because mm. I'm simply trying to find a life where I've got f- more freedom of time and more freedom of location. Mm-hmm. I live in one of the most expensive cities on, in, in the world. And I, I, I love living in British Columbia. But if I could release myself from my need to be near certain offices two or three times a week. I could work anywhere in British Columbia. I could go out and, and buy a nice plot of land, get a couple of dogs, you know, enjoy some fun. So for me, my want to be wealthy, have more money, it's based around time and freedom. More freedom to do what I want each day, more time to spend it with my with my wife, more time to sort of control my life. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going. But with, for you or anybody else, it might be completely different. So you need to really find out what that is and then take the steps to get there. Yeah, because for, for sure what I'm locked in right now is like like you said, just having like that, that just freedom for the most part. And I know that can come in many ways, shapes and forms. But I mean, like what I've envisioned like in my head is just something where I'm working, um, something where I'm, where I'm working smarter, where like I probably – like I, I'm, I'm willing to work hard right now because I'm younger. I'm willing to put in the time, but at least like maybe like five years down the road, I don't want to work. Like I already know myself. I'm like I'd rather work smarter than harder. I'd rather work like 30, 30 hours a week and make like like plenty. Like yeah. I don't want to have to worry about bills. I like you said. I want to. I, I don't want to be chained to a spot. That's where I'm at. But I don't know if that's too, too low of a goal. If maybe I should aim the, I should aim higher for a goal because I've heard. I've heard of this saying as well. It's like aim for the moon, and if you can't get the moon, or aim for the stars, and if you can't reach for the stars, you'll get the moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I, I, don't I, even I think know. it's true. I mean, I, I have, uh, yeah, I, I have big goals, big mm-hmm. twenty year goals. You know, I, I, my future, and they're, they're, they're ridiculous. Some mm-hmm. of them, they, they are stupid. They're stupid goals. Like none of them are. I want to go and play in the NBA, or you know, go play in the English Premier League, because I know those gar- those goals aren't 
set in reality because that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But some of the other goals I, that I've set myself, you know, they, they might happen. Certain money amounts, certain uh, uh, sort of uh, material things that I, that I want in life, they, they, they could very well could happen. And I, and I still think you have to set those kind of goals. But like going back to what we were talking about earlier is like, yeah, you set those big goals and the 5, 10, 15, 20-year goals. I think everybody should have 5, 10, 15, 20-year goals, even if they're just a sentence. You should write out what, what, what you want. And then if you don't get them, you don't get them. But I can tell you, when I was in my early 20s, I had a goal of having an apartment, owning a car, and getting having an okay job. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me, what do you want to do in your life? Oh, I just want to get my own apartment, have a car, have a half-decent job. I'll be okay. I said that to somebody when I was 19 or 20. By 27, 28, I had that. Mm-hmm. I had exactly what I, what I manifested. I manifested exactly what I wanted. Because that's just what I wanted. And then I thought to myself when I hit 27, 28, imagine if I'd said to myself, I want to be a millionaire. Or if I wanted to be you know, a, a corporate CEO. Would I, would I, have, would I have manifested that? Yeah. What, what would have happened? And that's a, that's a question that only my future, future me, future Steven, future success here will find out. Because he has big goals. So by writing them out and taking action, am I, am I going to get to them? The future will find out. I can tell you from when I wrote goals a couple of years ago, I'm on my way. Yeah. I'm on my way. But, you know, going back to younger version of myself, I didn't really have those big goals and I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a big kind of like mind-blowing moment for me. Oh, shit. I actually achieved that. Yeah. Didn't even think about it, but I just achieved it. Mm-hmm. It just happened. So what actually happens when you're intentional with your goals, intentional with your life? Who knows? You could you could do some big things. That's insane. That, that I don't know. That some something about that kind of just like throws me in a weird loop. But it's cool at the same time because it's like you can create the future that you want. You just have to actually want it. And that's 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 why I had yeah. that question to begin with. I'm like shit. I'm like, do I want to aim to be a millionaire and? you know figure that out later or just be comfortable enough like where i don't have to worry about bills and i'm not like tied to a spot that's that's why i'm like that's why i've been personally kind of torn between those two things i'm like shit that's why i don't know what the the feeling what you just said there see there's two different kinds of goals Mm -hmm. there's end goals and there's means goals Mm -hmm. like the end goal is you don't want to have to worry about bills the means goal is you want to earn a million dollars because it's a specific topic. Mm -hmm. But if you focus for the feeling, if you focus for the actual, I don't want to worry about goals. I want my family to live a luxury life. Mm -hmm. I want my family to feel loved in a luxury life where they get to enjoy every day with freedom. I think that's, yeah, that's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And that is so much more powerful than saying, I want to earn a million dollars because that's great. A million dollars is great, but you could earn $500,000 and you get the you get the second goal. Yeah. But you you get everything that you want. But when you attach yourself to a certain monetary or certain material amount without having the the, the expression of what you want to feel attached to it, mm-hmm. you can get lost chasing numbers. Mm-hmm. It's like that old story. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, it's about the Mexican fisherman and the CEO. The the CEO is down on holiday in Mexico. And he bumps into this fisherman who's out doing his fishing. 
and CEOs talking to him says, oh, what, what are you doing? Is this, that, and the other, having a conversation. And the fisherman says, well, you know, I, I, I get up in the morning, have breakfast with my wife, take my kids to school. I go out in my, uh, my boat, do a little bit of fishing for a few hours, bring the stuff back, take it to the market, get my money, have dinner with my family, hang out with my kids, and then I go and play guitar and have a few drinks with my amigos on, on a port somewhere. That's my current lifestyle. And, and the CEO is like, hold on a second, you could, you could make millions if you did this and then you got lots of lots of uh, extra boats, you got people doing this distribution, you could be running a fleet of fishing boats if you put in five, 10 years of, of, of work. And then the, the, the Mexican uh, fisherman turns around and says, well, what's the end goal? Well, the end goal would be you got to get up in the morning, have, have uh, <laughs> breakfast with your wife, take your kids to school, do a little bit of work for a few hours and hang out with your buddies at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So the guy, the Mexican fisherman was already living that life. Yeah. He already had the end goal. He already had the dream. Mm-hmm. But the CEO was thinking about money and wealth to get a result that the person already had to get a result that the CEO wanted to have. So it's it's, it's mm-hmm. how you frame things in your mind about how you want to feel and how you want to be able to, to, to approach each day. Some people might already be at the place where they want to be, but they've never really done the deep work, the meditation, the journaling, the exploration with questions to actually find out what they want. And that's when you ask this great question to start with, that's what I said, you need to go and ask yourself those questions in the seven, le- seven levels of why first, because you might actually find out you are in a good place already. That just gave me a lot of clarity. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't even think of it from that perspective. It, it resonated with something actually very, very similar that, that I didn't connect with. I, I think I watched like a TED talk um, or it was a speech where, I don't know if you know who Jesse Itzler is, but he he um he was talking no. about I'll I'll send you his information. He's a he's a very cool, cool. interesting guy, but he he pretty much had a little con- he had a conversation or interview with somebody. He says don't think about um about how many years you have left with your parents. Let's say they're 75, right? And they're going to die at 80. That means you have 5 years left with them, right? He was he was saying something along the lines of like if you see them what twice a year once for Christmas and for their birthday or something like that, um, that means you only have ten more times with them. That's gonna make you. That's gonna put the like the urgency on seeing them. You're gonna visit them more than that. You, you're gonna want to maximize the amount of yeah. times you can spend with them. And it's just like that. That different way of thinking has always been like what I've been looking for. Because like right now, I I didn't even think about that. Like I know that's what's gonna be like my goal from the bottom of my heart. Because I'm like, yeah, that was a perfect way. Like I want like. Like a, like a more like modern like luxury life. I don't care like about like hitting the roof. Like I just want to have time with them and then have like a very comfortable lifestyle. I, yeah. You're right. I don't even know why I even thought about it from like that. Like like oh a million dollar mark. I think maybe just society. Maybe the standards. Maybe the maybe all yeah. of that. I'm guessing. Well, I, yeah. I learned this lesson I was talking about earlier when I was chasing a number. When I was working retail, when I was a retail manager, and I went into high end commission sales, I thought earning healthy six figures getting into six figures was going to change my life and i spent years chasing that number mm-hmm. to only get to it and then spend a couple of years getting that kind of money and realizing oh well this was kind of a bit pointless going back to the other story i told you about when i was younger that i i just wanted to have a, a an apartment and a car and a decent job it's like i didn't think about how i wanted to feel mm-hmm. i i chased and a number i chased something material uh, and ever since those lessons yeah it's taken me a couple of times and to really embed those lessons it's, it's i'm no longer chasing numbers in life i'm chasing a lifestyle i'm chasing a feeling 
being able to get up and do what I want, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to work where I want, to be to feel like I'm happy each day, to have wealth and health of my family, to feel like I'm surrounded by love. Those are the things that I'm aiming for. And I would guarantee that if everybody aimed like that, they would get all the material things anyway. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing. Yeah, how how big are you? Well, I mean, it obviously sounds like you are pretty big into it, but how how big, is there like anything, like any certain like, this is a vague question, I guess. Is there anything like in in particular about like manifestation that like, how do I say? It? Is there any like steps that you take to be proactive? Like aside from saying like I want to have this lifestyle, obviously taking action, of course. Um, I don't know if that's even like a valid question, but I I, I want to hear more of that from you. No, I, I I get it. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people, I I'm I'm a I'm one of those kind of like strange when I say this. I don't really think the the secret as that book was called or manifestation works without action mm-hmm. i think that you have to be very clear on your goals and you have to take action this sort of i don't want to call it well i'm going to call it hippy dippy kind of like keep repeating over and over that you're going to win a, that you're going to earn a million dollars i'm going to earn a million dollars or writing out a hundred times i will be this i will be this and then doing nothing about it mm-hmm. now if you tend to write out i will be a millionaire by the age whatever because i do this 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 and this your mindset will probably be leaned towards well i should be looking to do this i'm going to do this i'm going to do this because that's how manifestation really works for me is it's a combination of setting the goals repeating the goals being very specific about the goals and then taking action on that and then the universe tends to then show you opportunities that go in line with those goals but I think a lot of people, when they think about the power of manifestation, is that they just think it and it will happen. And I well, know that that you start with the thinking, you start with the vision. But if you're not drilling that vision down into a daily action, manifestation isn't going to work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can create the life that you want to create. I, I am a fan of it in the sense of like, if you want to have whatever you want to have in your life, you can get it. But you set the goal you set your target and you work towards it. Mm-hmm. That is sort of my action response to the the the, the world of man- manifestation. You, you you just can't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I like like let's say because I'm like on like I guess like money Twitter and dumb Twitter. A lot of dumb Twitter, uh, like it is like comedy, which I love. I love comedy. But a lot of them manifest stuff, but they don't do anything about it, like nothing at all. Mo- the yeah. majority of them, like I'm sure there are some exceptions, but I'd say like a fat chunk of them just like, I'm gonna have ten thousand dollars. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, just working the same thing. I'm like, you're not changing anything though, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And that, that 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 that's that's the point. I think that this that that book, The Secret, really hoodwinked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge selling the guy who wrote that i think was a student of a very uh popular personal development guy mm-hmm. uh i think it might have been brian tracy one of the old school guys I, I might get the name wrong i don't know the full story i'd have to google it but I, in the back of my mind i remember listening to a podcast or, or reading something about this but the guy who actually wrote the book secret was the student of one of the main personal development gurus from like the 80s or, or, or 90s you're, you're talking your zig ziglars you're talking your um uh, your Jim Rowans, your your Brian Tracy's that you probably don't know any of these names, but these these are the guys that opened the door for 
your Tony Robbins, your Dean Graziolis, your Brendan Bouchards, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing in Money Twitter, Gary Vee, the, 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 these were the original uh, sort of personal development success guides that mm -hmm. worked in business and stuff. And, and I remember reading about this guy that read the book. He kind of half went through this guru's training and then wrote his own book, made a ton of money, but completely missed the point that it's not just about manifesting shit. The other part of the training that you need to do is 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 the actual hard work. It's the graft. It's it's the part. It's the in the trenches. It's getting up. It's the taking action. It's it's setting the goals. And, and that's the way that you create a better life for yourself. I know from the last eight or nine years that I've been really into personal development. I've gone from broke, earning fourteen dollars an hour in the most expensive city in the world, to healthy and wealthy, uh, and married in, in the space of eight, eight years. I've got friends that legitimately have known me since I first arrived in Canada. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, what, ha what happened to you? <laughs> like, what, 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 what cut up your ass so much? <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> and, and that's just it. You know, I, I, I took the action and I got the results. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, and that, that's a testament to your work and, and, and to who you are. And I mean, kind of like how you were saying earlier as well. You've grown your your Twitter account from seventy five followers to almost twenty thousand, and I think you're you're going up like that steady, you're you're climbing up that ladder, and that's gonna get you to that point where you want, and then that'll be like your own launching pad into your own freedom, and then from there you're you're gonna expand God knows where. So you're already on the right path for sure, which which I admire. Hence why I even wanted you to on the podcast to begin with. I'm like I know he's full of insight, full of wisdom. Um, if somebody's looking to get more into philosophy, where would you recommend they start? One book, one book only. Epictetus, Art of Living. It is the most easy to read, digestible philosophy book that I, I, I've ever read. Mm -hmm. Somebody took a lot of Epictetus's or Epictetus's uh, Stoic teachings and put them into a little tiny book. It's much easier to read than most philosophy books. I have got some dudes on the wall that are like a hard to read because they're written in 1800 language or they're, they're you know, re-edits of, of Aurelius talking to himself, uh, uh, you know, 2000 years ago, but Art of Living by Epictetus um, is one of the best books. I, I pick it up once in a while. I have it on my shelf just here. And every time I pick it up, I read a couple of pages under five minutes, a couple of pages done. Cause it's like just quotes mm -hmm. and it just, Somehow, every time I pick it up, the quote has something to do with what's going on in my life right now. And I'm able to be like, reframe it and be like, oh, take a step back, rethink yeah. a little bit of a mental meditation. Boom. Yeah. Reengage. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's the that's my favorite philosophy book. Yeah. OK. Yeah. No, I just Google it right now. I have it like bookmarked already for when I'm going to buy it like as soon as the podcast ends, because I'm <laughs> I, I've been really I've been. I know I've been wanting to get into philosophy for, for a minute, but I've just been beating around the bush for whatever reason that might be, procrastination or whatever. Yeah. But it, I, I know whenever I, 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 I get drawn into it, I get really captivated. And I guess like like I, like yeah. I was kind of mentioning earlier, that like especially recently, like in the past week or two, I've been seeing a bunch of, a bunch of accounts um, from, from there that are – are more like enlightened and, and philosophical stuff. I'll even send you not even like the other guy that I was mentioning. I'll send you like some, um, some other page with like wise quotes that I think that like you can use maybe as a template. Like, like I said, everything's based on your own style, but I've seen what I've seen gain traction. I'll send you some as well. Yeah. 
Um, if I forget, remind me just because, like, I, I have, like, so many, like, messages that, like, just in case. But I do want to send that to you, like, for sure, just so that way, like, you, you have an idea just to help grow your business. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, too, do you have Clubhouse by any chance? No, I, I've not dipped my toe into that, uh, especially since Twitter started their own um, their own version of that, their own spaces, or whatever mm -hmm. it's called. So I, I, I've kind of been on the edge of that trend. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've seen it happen, but mm -hmm. no, I, I've not dumped, jumped into Clubhouse. If Do you have an iPhone or an Android? I have an iPhone. Okay. Well, if, if you want, I, ha I have a few more invites left. If you want one, let me know. I'll, I'll get you into the app. I think it's really, it's really beneficial. Um, it'll help with your, with your contact. You can create your own rooms. You can keep going with this and like in particular as well. Like it could be another, another form of, of getting your, your message out to like a whole different audience. Um, yeah, but I, I just wanted to say that. And then I just had one more question as well. Uh, or maybe two, but what's, um, <laughs> what, what's, what are some quotes that have impacted you the most that, that you've learned through this journey? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's two that I, or three, I'll give you three. Okay. We'll, we'll do three. <laughs> so two of them are a stoic quote. One of them is, is not a, um, a stoic quote. And I'm going to mess up the name of the guy, the last guy, cause I always get it wrong. <laughs> uh, but the, the first one is by Epictetus. Uh, cause he's, straight up gangster and it's uh don't explain your your philosophy embody it i love that so much because oh, it, it says don't 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 talk to me mm -hmm. show me don't don't give me all i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that you know do your work in silence prove me with results prove it with results and, and i love that that is just boom really really powerful quote uh, a real i all, always get really good likes when I, I pop that out on my account on twitter probably once a month i don't want to do it too often maybe once every couple of months and it always gets really good um good um engagement even though i'm not a i'm not a quote account i, I but i will post a quote once every one or two days and yeah. just because it's nighttime and people engage with twitter differently at nighttime but yeah that's always a good one the other one is by seneca and you've probably heard this one it's luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm, mm -hmm. And this is just back to this manifestation stuff. This is, this, these guys are talking about this stuff two, 2,200 years ago, 2,300 years ago. They're literally saying, practice every day, train every day, and you will get lucky. You will manifest those opportunities into your life because you're spending every day working. Mm -hmm. you know, because you're embodying your philosophy, you're doing the action, you get the luck. Uh, and those two quotes, those two stoic quotes in particular, are, are two of my top fears because they, I think they really just, they tell you everything you need to know about personal development mm -hmm. in like less than 10 words, if, I'm, if, my, if my math is right. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is, I totally forgot the guy's name and it's really bad. I don't know why I have a oh, mind, mind, mind blank, but it's uh, little hinges swing big doors is the quote. And it basically means that small leverage, small leverage makes massive impact. Small things in life make oh, a massive difference. Okay. So little hinges, hinges on a door. Oh. You know, they, they, the hinges are really small on the door and they swing massive weight. Mm -hmm. And I think about meditation. I think about journaling. I think about working out each day for 30 minutes. I think about eating healthy. These are all small hinges mm -hmm. that have huge effect in your life. Doing an hour of deep work each day mm -hmm. is a small hinge because it's only an hour off your 16 hours a week. It's only one hour, mm -hmm. but that one hour could change your life. Mm -hmm. 
So as long it, as it's, it's done in small, repetition, right? Yeah, these mm-hmm. small little actions that you do repeatedly that cause a, a massive tidal wave in your life of success. Mm-hmm. So th- those are my three kind of top three quotes that I that I live by. No, yeah, I think that's that's great information, especially the the first and the last one. I I, I strongly believe the second one though, um, where it was that I, I don't believe in luck, but it's like hard work. That's when hard work meets preparation. Sorry, I'm bad yeah, with like luck quotes. is when luck is when preparation meets opportunity. There it is. Yeah, no, I've heard that one a lot, yeah. but I love that one because I, I I've never liked when people are like, oh, he just got lucky. I'm like, but he got lucky because he was putting himself out there. I'm like, you can't be mad at that yeah. because you're doing nothing. You didn't even put yourself out there. So yeah. that's always been I've al- I've always really liked that. Um, and I, and I appreciate those, those three, those three, um, those three quotes. Uh, one of the things that the last thing I wanted to ask you as well was, uh, it doesn't have to be related to, um, to like anything in particular. It can be like anything you've heard when you were younger or most recent, but what's the best piece of advice that, that you've ever received? Yeah. Uh, it's from my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a quote that is Eli Jedi. Oh, I can't even do a lot, and I've lost my voice. But it basically means, don't let the bastards drag you down. It's Eli Edeljitamai Condorinderum in Latin. I can't speak Latin. Um, I've probably butchered that for any Latin fans out there. I apologize. Uh, but uh, that is, you know, a quote that basically says, don't let the bastards drag you down. And my dad actually had that on a plaque in our house as a kid. Um, and I, I, I just thought it always resonated with me and it's mm-hmm. stuck with me my whole life as don't let other people get you down because mm-hmm. 90% of the people on the planet, they, they just bumble around the place and, and they get energy from making other people unhappy. In my opinion, I just feel like I agree. that m- misery loves company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you hang around with a whole bunch of people just plodding along on their day, I, I, that, that, that is, that's hell to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, and then when things start getting tough, don't let what other people send you drag you down. Just don't let it bother you. So that, that, that's a piece of advice that, uh, that my father gave me as a, as a child. And I still live by. I, I completely agree. I think you're, you're a hundred percent right on when you said misery loves company. And I have noticed that that's why, that's why I, I try to stay in by myself. Like 95% of the time, I'm like, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to be like my own, like positive reinforcement. I'm not going to let anyone drag me down until I can find company. That's going to have that same attributes as me and, and more, more different ones in a positive way, you know, impactful yeah. way. Um, thank you so much for your time. See, I really appreciate you. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at my success theory on Twitter. That's my success theory. I also have a YouTube channel, which is success theory. And if you go to my Twitter first, you'll actually see my uh, profile picture. So you'll see me on YouTube as well. I also have a website that is your success theory. So my, my Twitter is about my success theory. My website where I coach and help people is about your success theory. So it's about helping other people. So those are the places you can catch me. I also on Instagram, I'm my success theory. Awesome. And did you want to, did you want to talk about maybe like the seven pillars of development or maybe like the, um, I might fudge this up. So don't hate me, but I was like, I think it's the 101 days of journaling. Is that right? Yeah. I've got a, a couple of products that mm-hmm. are in the background. I do have a stoicism one called tactical stoicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check that out. That's actually on my bio uh, currently. Uh, that is my own journey with stoicism. Uh, it's a, almost like a book 
but it's got some video content and some audio content in there as well. Uh, you can check that out uh, on my Gumroad. I have a free guide that I uh, populate quite often underneath tweets uh, on my Twitter page called The Seven Pillars of Personal Development. That is basically a, a guide that is it's free because I believe that those habits are free. There are seven habits like meditating, journaling, getting up early, drinking water, exercising, having a good nighttime routine, all this stuff. There's seven of them in total that I really think are the seven pillars of a, of a better life. And I, I've always felt like, why would I sell something to somebody when that information is free? It's mm -hmm. just free. That stuff's free. And, I, and that guide is it, very well reviewed. It's, it's a great starting point for anybody who's trying to understand what personal development is and understand what their journey will be and, and where to start. And, and that's the seven pillars guide. And then the 101 journaling is something that I've built over the last number of years. It's 101 questions that you can ask yourself. And I honestly believe that if you were to ask yourself those 101 questions, you would see a life shift within 30 to 60 days. It's really getting deep into understanding who you are, really getting deep into understanding the, the reality in which you, you live in and then being able to take action from that. And I think that while a lot of people would be like, well, it's 101 questions, but those 101 questions could do a lot more for you than reading 10 personal development books because 99% mm -hmm. of the answers we're searching for are probably already inside us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you tweeted something along the lines of like self-help books will only lead you down a path of more self-help books and it's like an endless hole because like you like you just said right now, it's all inside of you at the end of the yeah. day. That's yeah. it, it self self-help is the lead generator to more self-help. Like I that's ironic because I'm a guy who sells info products, I'm a guy who coaches people. I have a new course coming out called Tactical Leadership, which is about my leadership experience and how how to lead yourself in life. And that's coming out in the next couple of weeks and months here. But yeah, it's it, it was just a being aware that knowledge is a trap. Mm -hmm. Thinking that more knowledge is actually going to be the way out. out it, it's not action is the way out. Uh, I always believe that if you're going to read anything, if you're going to learn anything, you have to make sure you're learning with purpose. So when you're doing that learning, you can implement that straight away. And I really think that helps you learn better and actually creates more results in your life. I know people, and I've done this before, where I, I like, great, I've read 15 books this year, some of them on marketing, some of them on personal development, whatever it is. But yeah, I had no output. I read a ton of copywriting books two or three years ago, but I wasn't writing copy. I, I didn't have a Twitter at that point. I didn't have an email list. I'm now going back and rereading those books because now I do have a Twitter. I do have a, an email list and I'm trying to actually learn the information again. Because I, when I read them the first time around, I had no purpose to them. I was just reading them because they were saying, oh, this is the best book in copywriting. Okay, let's read it. Pointless. Absolutely pointless waste of my time. So anytime you want to learn anything, make sure you have an output to it. I, I completely agree. Like, like you said, action is the way out. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Go buy that. Go buy that. Subscribe, follow. And uh, once you do that, reflect. Yeah. Get that self-awareness well, in. And, uh, and yeah, I appreciate your time, man.